Hello, and welcome to Champagne and Murder, please. How please. is everybody doing? Delightful. Guess who's back? And I'm back. Back again. <laughs> back in the basement. Tell your friends. <laughs> yes, we're back. Yes, we're back. Yes, we're back. Yes, we're back. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but... Um, I think you are. And all the lyrics have been changed. <laughs> Sorry, I've been gone for a while, but uh, yeah, you better well, apologize. Watch this. You. Here we are. <laughs> In the classic Midwestern sense. Oop, sorry about that. Oop. Oop. Oop, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, thanks for having me back. Here we are. Yeah. How you been? Doing good. How have you been? What were you doing today? Fucking delightful. <laughs> Living my best dream. Salvaging old metal roofing. It's been a wild week. Tying some flies. This is why I don't get anything done. Mm-hmm. Because I like have a plan and I pick up a new hobby or a new plan. And then like Sam's like, what were you doing outside? I'm like, well, watching some videos, tying some flies, <laughs> gearing up for this trip when I should be doing like 10 other things. But, you know, hey. Here this is we how are. Life works. Then I hang out with my dad for a couple of days, and then we run into some people and acquire some things. Then I have to actually go back and reacquire get, those things. Get, the things get that set you acquired things. Yeah. yeah. So it's like trying to figure out like how it doesn't cut into family time necessarily, but then also it does. Yeah. At usually. least not, but not a weekend. Yeah. So it's fine. Can't do weekends. So I acquired some uh, corrugated tin. Pretty excited about it. You should be. So many projects. So little time. Don't want to start. Yeah. <laughs> then I like saw the squirrel get hit on the road and I was like, ooh, I should probably take that tail to tie some flies. Oh, jeez. And Sam was like, we're going to get that weird, huh? I'm like, oh, it's already there. You're already that weird. Drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Drink it. Drink it. <laughs> Enjoy it. So let me tell you about fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. So in a couple of weeks, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks now, I'll be heading to the, the White River in Arkansas, Kansas. Hit some Our brown changes. trout, maybe some maybe some rainbows, we'll see. It's going to be a good time. You're going to have a yeah. great time. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. Originally, when I set this entire trip up, uh, Sam, well, now my grandparents, Sam's grandparents, lived down there still, so I was going to just, like, two birds with one stone in. Mm-hmm. But now I can just tell them about it, like, yeah, remember that place you moved from? Sorry about that. I had a great time. I had a great time where you Everything's weren't. looking great. The weather was nice. We just tore it up. They're going to be so jealous of the weather. Slated it all. Because I've also, like, talked to Russ, and I was like, hey, have you ever uh, caught any trout? He's like, no, I usually fish the lake. Yeah. And like, I'll, like I'll go nothing there. bites there. I'll go there and slay some trout for you, Russ. <laughs> if I catch one fish in a week, I'm going to be fucking stoked. you have to take a picture and send it to him. Just one. Just one. That's all I need. <laughs> not not getting crazy. No, If I get one, crazy. I don't want to get skunked. One fish all week, bam. I think you'll be good. That's all I need. I think I think you can do it. They'll already be more successful than like most of my hobbies. <laughs> it's like... And this guy's now a trout fisherman. And you're just using like your flies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've okay. officially tied like 15 flies. 15? No. You need more than that. Jeez. You should have like 15 of just one specific type pattern. Okay. In case they're really hitting them and you keep breaking off, you need to be able to pull it out. Bam, 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 bam. I'm tying this Adam's fly. Bam, let's do it. <laughs> this nymph, this, this, blah, 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 blah. 
That seems very involved. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Just sitting there on this like size ten or t- size twelve fly. It's like squinting, wrapping, and those are big ones too. And then you're yeah. like working into fourteens and sixteens, and like people tie like thirties, which they don't even have eyelets in. You're just like, because the bigger it is, the smaller it is. And you're just like, jeez. So I've got all this like sweet uh, thread. Oops, wrapping, 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 wrapping. Ooh, hair. Bump, 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 bump. Feathers. <laughs> Wrap them like this. Ooh, now they're wings. You know? Awesome. Went to the craft store, got it sounds some... easier to catch real flies and just... Went to the craft store, got some foam so I can start making some grasshoppers and some mice that float. Oh, jeez. It's going to be awesome. Reticulated <laughs> mouse. Bammo. I have an airbrush you can use. Watch this. Bammo. I like it. Just like that. <laughs> Just like. Just like that. I'll start sending you some pictures. Be like, oh, you're painting today? Watch this fly. Watch me wrap this bitch right here. <laughs> this podcast has become all about fly fishing. Because I need one more fucking. Sorry, Orvis. Uh, thanks for having us. It's <laughs> like, I try to listen to that too, and I can't get into a fly fishing podcast, but I've already put two books in, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. One was about uh, fly fishing for, like, big saltwater fish, and the other one was called uh, Sex, Death, and Fly Fishing. Sex, Death, and Fly Fishing. All the important things, like, how to, like... how to talk the lingo, how to do all the things. So, like, you never admit, like, how many fish you caught or how big they were. You're just like, yeah, we did all right today. We caught some things. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it was a fish or not. You could have caught a no, fish. No, I already, I already do that anyway. So I was going like, to say. I'm already set for it, like... Have my hunting, ready. have my hunting waders, which aren't like typically like fly fishing waders, but whatever. But still, I have a vest. I got all the shit. Nice, just ready to ride. <laughs> you and your crazy eyes, which Noah's not going to be happy about because I'm a purist now. So yeah. I told him like you can just throw everything you want, man. But I'm just going to be over here with this fly rod. He's like, fuck you, Uncle. Mark. I got a fishing pole for Easter. Fuck you, Uncle Mark. Yeah, yeah, from Grandpa. Nice. It's pink. We're gonna tear it up. Yeah. So I've got a secret pond. This is how fishing works. I have a secret pond. I can't tell you where it is. I'm going to blindfold you. Okay. I'm going to take you there. Okay. We'll go fishing. So I'm going to tell you. Not catching. No, we're going to actually catch. Okay. So I don't want to tell anyone that either jinx us, but like we'll go to this pond. It's a stocked farm pond. A guy told you about last time, Johnny V. Mm -hmm. It's his pond. Well, not his pond, but a farm pond adjacent to his land. Okay. Supposedly some like bass you can actually fit your fist in their mouth. Jeez. Bucket mouth bass. Bucket mouth bass. Yeah, because That's they're so big. Well, it's a large mouth, but they're called bucket, bucket mouth, mouth because you can actually fit your whole fist in them. Oh my god. So we'll catch some of those. I guess like hybrid crappie and bluegill that are the size of like, a dinner plate. Jesus. So like we could go there right now and it'd be fine. Like, I like knowing that it's there. Yeah, it's nice to know that it's there. Yeah, so we can go there. What we should do is, because I never catch fish with Noah, we should go there and catch some fish, send him some pictures. And then he'll school. be so mad. Be like, sorry, we just had this podcast day. So Where just, we had to do fishing. Yeah, it's part of sorry. it. All of these on a fly <laughs> ride. He'd be like, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> it was our bonding experience. I hate you guys. <laughs> sorry, man. Everything's spawning right now. Let's hit sorry. it. Sorry. You're at school. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. <coughs> Pardon my coughers, coughers. Smoker's cough. Still with the smoker's I'm cough. I'm dying. Yeah. I knew it. 
haven't actually seen a doctor, but probably like a slow and painful, slow, painful, painful death. death. Yeah, yeah, about that's about right. 30, about sixty years from now. Yeah, just a slow. It's a slow burn. Every day it gets just a little a worse. Slow death. <laughs> sixty years from now, I'm going to be putting one foot in the grave. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So otherwise, let's see. You've been putting in some work with Moth, the Moth Radio Hour. Yeah. You listen to Moth. You ask me that every time. Dude, hit it. The newest one, music. Yeah? It's, uh, the, I don't remember the title. Something about music. Listen to that one. If you don't like it, never listen to it again. Okay. If you don't like that one, listen to one more. I'll send you one more. <laughs> and then if you don't like that one, don't listen to it again. Sounds good. Um, mostly, yeah. Mostly fly fishing, yeah. Yeah. And then I also, uh, I really like this, um, would it be author? There you go. My brain's okay. fucked right now. It's late. I was going to say artist, like this this writing artist. Name it's author. <laughs> this, this uh, Carl Heisen, um, he writes a bunch of Florida books, and I, I downloaded one, and I like to download books because they're longer. It's like, ooh, 12 hours, this could be cool, but it's just like him ranting about politics in the early ni- or, uh, early 2000s. Oh, jeez. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Because, like, you know, like... You wouldn't think it would be. It's, like, 2003, but, like, he's just like, well, let's talk about this shit going on in Florida in 2003 and... What shit was going on? All sorts of stuff, which is still probably going on. Still happening. Like, building and destroying wetlands and filling shit in and invasive species and blah, blah, blah. All all the stuff in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And, uh... But he's just, like... It's almost like uh, George Carlin. He's just, like, boom. And he's, like, obviously, like very intelligent and it's awesome but i'm just like wow that was a lot so like i had to go in between that and some other stuff so well, i yeah. still have a little palate cleanser in eight between. hours Whew. it's gonna be awesome sounds like it i was hoping it was like one of his actual novels but i didn't actually read about it which i normally do oh. i just got really excited because i saw 12 hours but next yeah, time, like, ooh, 12 hours Ooh, this could be a nice two days <laughs> but uh but yeah otherwise uh let's see uh, scored an Easter duck for Felix. Lost an Easter duck for Felix. Now I have to replace an Easter duck for Felix. <laughs> so that might be this weekend. Um, Does he know that the duck wandered off? Oh, yeah. And every day he gets home. And he named uh, our female black Muscovy duck, Neighbor Tom. <laughs> where's, neighbor uh, Tom? where's Neighbor Tom the duck? Ooh, like, haven't heard about it for two days. And I was like. Like he gets home today, talks to Sam. He's like, "Hey, so where's my duck neighbor Tom?" And I was like, "Ooh." So I got a guy's phone number, so I'm gonna go maybe go get one. But then we also might get some ducklings in the mail. Yeah. So it also blows my mind because how do you get <clears throat> ducklings in the mail? You used to get animals in the mail, and it'd be like you have a minimum order. They get sent to you overnight. You pick them up at um, farm and barn, or or just the the post office in general. Oh, okay. But, like, now there's this place in, in California, and it's ridiculous, but, like, a duckling's $20. What? So, like, typically in a hatchery right now, a duckling's, like, $10, which is still stupid high. hmm But, like, a duckling's, say, say $20. But that includes the shipping. Okay. And if you want to spend an extra $5, you can insure said duckling for one year. So for $25, you can get one duckling that whatever happens to it, if it dies, they send you another duckling in a year. Within within the year. Do you have to pay for the shipping on the second Nope. One? They send it to you for free. Okay. So this is a shit business model. Yeah. Blows my mind. 
And like I said, you used to have to like a minimum order of like five, five or ten, ten or whatever. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, you want two ducklings? You have an extra $10 fee for this heating pad that goes in there. Oh, jeez. Which is probably just like your hand warmer. Oh, I was going to say it's not or, something you get to keep afterwards. I don't know what it is. Oh. No idea. Okay. Battery operated something. Maybe it vibrates. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, maybe, you know, maybe, it maybe it's worth the money. So, like, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> you can just, like, you know, well, this duck got hit by a hawk when it was half Fuck grown. Fuck a duck. Let's get another and one. And then they're just like, okay, here's a new one in the mail tomorrow. And like, so then if that one dies or something. No, I, I think then no? you're toast. You're yeah. Done. Okay. I think you're like, a, it's like a shoe warranty. Once you replace, like, a boot or shoe. Yeah. You don't replace it again. Don't ever. But I thought that was really interesting because I was like all about like we're not getting a fucking duckling that's stupid. But blow up. And Sam's like, but they're gonna be guaranteed. And I was like, okay. She's like, what if he's swimming in the bathtub with Felix? I'm like, all right, you're selling this pretty hard. I'm right like, now. oh man, too. So cute. how about I still Can't go get the get other the I still go get the replacement for neighbor Tom the duck. But we still get two ducklings. I mean, it sounds good to me. It's a year guarantee. They'll fit in with all your other. Just a one birds. year guarantee. That blows my mind. So it's like, huh. Yeah, keep your receipt and everything. I don't know. It's all online now. So. Yeah, they probably have it. Yeah, just write it out. You gotta like send them a picture of the dead animal or like like proof of not life. Yeah, you know, like you it used to be the same thing with fish, like Walmart oh, yeah. or a pet store. Petco still within does a it. certain amount of time. Like smart. you just like take back said fish, and you're just like, oh well, sorry about this. We had that on a couple of the fish that we got, and I never took the receipt back in because I was like, I'll just go buy my 25 cent fish. Because yeah. we only bought the goldfish that yeah, were like Goldie. super teeny tiny, yeah, Goldie, and they the got fish. huge. Yeah. So, Those are awesome. Yeah. I was like, you're not feeder fish, I promise. Goldfish are some of my favorite fish. Yeah. Aquarium cool. fish, anyway. Yeah, yeah. there it is. Before like the glowfish phase and all that stuff. Well, we have neon ones. Those are also nice. We, we got those for free. As you should. From summer. Mm. Prefer to get my fish from autumn, but <laughs> spring is pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. Winter, mm, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, a little cold. A little chilly. But uh, but yeah, how about you? What have you been? Uh, what have you been up to? We've been listening to gearing up for an art show. Gearing up for the art show. I found my canopies. That's a month from now. A month from yesterday. And a today. month from yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, the first week I get back. Is that Mother's Day weekend? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I'm a mother. I should know. I, I know. No I was. I'm a husband. I should know too. And I was just like, ah, or sorry, a dad. You can call me daddy. Because um, I was I like, have to look. Because yeah. I was like, because I was like, fuck, I'm gone. Oh, that it first... is Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, fuck, I'm gone that first weekend. Good, I could find I could find Sam a present at the arch. There you go. I have people bringing like jewelry that they've made. So the so the dragon um, is, is getting far. Oh, it's getting farther and farther along. Okay. But then the last two nights to start tying flies. That'll happen. And then the guy specifically that has come over to show me how to tie some of this stuff and like about fly fishing. He's like, "Is this dragon gonna fucking breathe fire or what?" I'm like, "Well, I have so much time, man." Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, it I is. will. It will. Yeah. Good. Lay off my shit. <laughs> Lay off me, but, bitch. But yeah, it's gonna be fucking breathing. All Good. right. I hope so. It's gonna be awesome. 
In my mind, it's going to be like... <laughs> so, so, It'll be like a drip torch. So things are... <laughs> just fucking Plop. oozing, oozing, Plop. plopping fire. <laughs> uh, it's going to be plopping fire. Don't put it out with your boot, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than that, I've been catching up on Morbid because I have like a month and a half saved up. Yeah. Don't give me that face. Of the new ones or the old ones? The older ones. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Because I've been listening to other things. I, uh, now that Listener Tales is only once a week or once a month. I think it's once a month. I'm not sure. I just haven't really been paying attention. Well, they missed one, um, like a month or two ago because they were sick. I haven't been paying attention. I know. Just waiting for that to ride it out, you know? Yeah. Collect some. Listen to them later. And I've just been painting paintings and... Painting paintings. Painting the paintings. Playing you know outside. You want to start so tying nice. some flies? No, I do not want and to start get started. tying some flies. No, thank you. I was asked if I wanted to paint some fishing lures. From Papa Jack? Yeah. Custom ones? Yeah. Should you get the airbrush out? The airbrush <laughs> is out. I All you got to do is say custom. It. Custom. I'm, I'm just worried I'm not going to be very good at it. Custom. You can fucking paint the entire thing purple and put a pink dot on it. You say it's custom. If someone catches one fish on that, you make a thousand of them and you sell them all to the same person. <laughs> That's how people work. Maybe I'll have to try it then. Should. I'll try Does it. he have his own blanks or like he he makes his own? No, was... no, I was whittling some. Hmm. Out of what? Ba- balsam? Wood? Is it basswood? <laughs> it's basswood. I don't know, fucking sticks he found. I think it's like a a ball, like the actual lures, like balsam, right? I have no clue. So let me tell you one thing too. Uh, so I I acquire and, and find like a lot of lures and in ponds and different things like that. So the hooks are made to degrade; they rust out because you know that's how they work. Yeah. But the lure still fine, so you can replace the rings or replace the hook. Mm-hmm. So you have a brand new lure, pretty much. So okay. someone not naming any names who might be sleeping upstairs came over. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, Uncle Mark, yeah, I kind of want some lures. So I was like, well, here's all these lures. Here's all the new rings, and here's all the new hooks. I'm not really good at that stuff. I, I'm good. <laughs> so like, I'm just giving you, I'm, I'm literally giving you 10 fucking new lures. Lazy teenagers. With brand new rings and brand new hooks. But you don't want to take He's the... going to wait until you do it, and then he'll be like, Uncle Mark, I need to have? Can I have this lure? Like, yeah. some of it. And I'm going to do it, of and course. that's fine. But I'm just like... Really, dude? I'd be like, no, you can have this one if you do it yourself. I've got a... Now I'm going to be like, hey, you can have these lures. You want to throw them away? we got to tie these flies. He's going to be like, or I'll take them. <laughs> 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 Trying to sell them on it, too. I'm like, you want to fly fish? Fuck you, Uncle Mark. All right, fair enough. I deserve that. You better not say that. He me. doesn't, yeah. Good. Otherwise, I'd hit him in the dick. I was going to say, you better. Pick this. Kung Fu Chop. <laughs> so I think the Easter egg, golden egg hunt went over oh well. Oh my God, that was so funny. I think that went over well. I think the boys are very excited about that. So I was going to, um, for all of those out there in podcast land, <clears throat> for the smaller children, we did an Easter egg hunt with candy and some change. And for the larger children, over 13, over 12, 10. over 10, 12, we had one large golden egg with 
And we hit it. And we hit it under a bush randomly and hit it under some, some leaves and all that stuff. The leaves are what did us in. Yeah, That's so next year I'll, I'll I'll get a little more creative. But uh, We're going to bury it in Oma's yard two months ahead of time. Six months ahead of time so the grass <laughs> We're just going to go bury it next week. What we should do is, yeah, put some metal in there and give them all metal detectors. Yeah, go find it. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, so uh, I feel like, yeah, they were actually involved with that. And like I told Sam, it's actually fun watching them and kind of teasing them about yeah. not being able to find it. And like I, and one we were playing with uh those balls, hot balls, hot balls, hot balls, hot potato, hot Watch balls, out, hot balls. And um, we they almost kicked it over like ten times. Over there I know it. they almost got it. So and I didn't times. want to like show any reaction because I didn't want them to know where it was. Right. But it was almost I think like you did good though. Your it was face like, was pretty neutral. It was so perfect. Because they were so close to it the entire time. And they wandered around the yard so long. It was so good. Well, what also, they were kicking all those leaves against the fence. And come to find out, that's where Opa throws all the dog shit. <laughs> so, like, without them knowing, like, I'm, like unbeknownst to them, but, like, uh, they were just fucking kicking through dog shit kicking leaves. Kicking dog turds. And there's also, like, one egg we did not find from the small children. That's probably in probably the dog in shit leaves, and that's where it belongs forever. Yep, so. it should never come out of there. No, never. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't mind if it stays there. So yeah, hopefully the next couple of years they still do that. We'll have them sign the egg every year and just go from. Did there. you have Noah sign it? Oh yeah. Okay, good. And I have it still. He I... found it, and then he took the money out, and we made him go hide it again. Oh, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they found it, they're like, what the hell, Uncle Mark? There's no money in it. There's no money. Like, Because yeah. you guys locked your brother in a fucking shed for a while. Yeah. And then teamed up, and he still found it on his own. So fuck you. Uh-huh. I didn't know they did uh, that. You didn't know that? No. They uh, they shut him in that uh, storage shed for a while. What the? And then they teamed up, and they're like, hey, we'll work together. So I was like, fuck you guys. Not, not fuck you guys. It's a... That's what adult Mark would say, not child. <laughs> he probably said that too. He's like, all right, I'll find it myself. And then sure shit. He did. Yeah. Good for him. Which is just even that much better. It's of so a victory. much better. Yeah. Rub it in their faces, which yeah. I hope he did. And then he, uh, I think he gave one of the guys, not his brother, but the other guy, uh, the cousin, 10 bucks. Yeah, did he? So, yeah. That was nice of him. He's a good kid. I'll keep him. Yeah, yeah, me too. He's all right. Once I get him on fly fishing, we'll have a little more in common. But, yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking over there? Drinking a nice, nice uh, cocktail of uh, some kind of a lemonade. Some churched up lemonade. Churched up, yep. Same. Churched up lemonade singer or er, uh, sinner. Sinner. Singer. Singer. La 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 la. No, I only sing in the shower churched and on the lemonade. stage in the barn. I only sing the cassette tapes of Charlie Daniel and Majeep. <laughs> I should see if I have any cassette tapes left. Oh, the dragon might be going sooner than later. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's okay. The... I think I have like a three-month window. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Audi needs to get it it's gonna get be, out. It's going to be a sad day for America, but... It's okay. I think we might survive. Might do a 21-gun salute. How old is that, Jeep? Play some taps. 1998. Holy fuck. I originally, I originally bought it from my uncle. We fixed it up, and uh, I was going to drive it for like one or two years until I bought a new vehicle. And nineteen and then years I've, later, and then I've driven it for twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, 
20 some odd years. No, no I haven't had that long. No, I haven't had it that long. Oh, I thought you had it. So, no, I've, I've had it since uh, married for, I've been driving it for like nine, nine okay. years. That's not bad. Now it's got 250 or 60 some thousand. That's not bad at all. So, yeah, so I mean, for uh, a one to two year to get an extended eight eight to nine years out of it, I feel pretty I good. I mean, I feel like it's worth it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I bought mine expecting to drive it for a year or two. I had it for a couple months and then the deer smashed it. <laughs> I went down that same road this morning to go have breakfast with my dad. And I was oh, like, I think hyper I that... vigilant, like checking Did in, like, every the fields deer on look either at you? side. There's like, there she is. Well, then there was two Audis that came from the other direction. I'm like, watch out, watch, watch out. Watch out for deer. <laughs> Watch I was out for my him. dad that he's like, oh, you in that car. <laughs> so uh, in, in college, I wasted this deer. And uh, <laughs> after that, I feel like every fucking deer would was go out of its way no, to run at me. right? Yeah. So, so I passed a car at one point because they were going slower. And as I passed them, not even speeding, because the only speeding ticket I have was passing a car <laughs> or a semi. A semi. And um, as I pass this vehicle, a deer runs into the side of the car I pass. Jesus. Middle of town, middle of the day, I'd have deer run right in front of me. That's Mine like was in I, the middle I of the swear, day. I swear these fuckers are just like, this asshole? Yeah, we're going to fuck with him. He killed one of our own. There's wanted posters of your face. Yeah, we had to like do this project on like, you know. It was like a life in a small town or something. Like, what would you do to change life in a small town? I'm like, we need to do a warning light on your vehicle, like in your windshield. Like, you you know, yeah. you, you flash your brights for people if you see a police officer, whatever. But, like, think about it. If you just had, like, a deer or a deer head or some kind of a light that was, like, on the other side of your rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. That if you were in close proximity, like you saw a police officer, but you cr- uh, close proximity to a deer, you, you just flip, turn your little you light on. You flip that toggle switch on. Yep. And then the next person knows they're like, okay, there's a deer coming. There's a deer there. Okay, got within it. the next whatever the rules are. Yeah. Half a mile. I feel like that would save a lot of accidents. I feel like it would. Too. But then you get into like the rut and you get into a bunch of shit and then all of a sudden things are all willy-nilly and they're all Twitter-pated and they're fucking running around anyway. So it might not necessarily save anything, but I feel like at least you're helping the next guy. I think you're right. I like your idea. I think that we are going to do some stories. I think we should probably get into them. Yeah. Uh, I think you or I should go first. You're going to go first. I'm going to go first. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, so my story this evening is Sally's um, <clears throat> House. The um, the websites for all this can be found in the show notes. And if you don't know how to get to those, uh, we would love to explain it to you later this evening. Mm-hmm. Or morning or afternoon or, or whenever you have to be listening to this uh, delightful podcast. So near the banks of the Missouri River in Kansas lies a little stone house that became the focus of the public in the 1990s. Throw it back. So the nice thing about the 1990s is the 19, it's not the 1900s, like yes. some of our stories, or the 1800s or the 1700s. Um, so this all came around when a married couple reported that the husband was being repeatedly attacked and tormented by the ghost of a little girl named Sally. 
the history of Sally House is definitely an eerie one. Uh, the Sally House. Ooh, 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 it's like looking at fireworks, you know. Yeah. So, mm. Eerie. Um, the Sally House is located in, in Atchison, Kansas, which, for those of you keeping track, is northeastern Kansas, I believe, by looking at the map. Um, <clears throat> and was built in the mid-1800s. The home is on 2nd Street. And if you do Google it, you can find it because mm-hmm. we already Googled it and it does look quite eerie. It's creepy. It's uh shared, let's see. The home is on 2nd Street and has had its share of owners throughout the years, which included a family of six, uh, the, the family of six-year-old Sally, who died during a botched appendectomy in 1905. Ouch. Sally uh, never forgave the doctor, apparently... And attacks men, only men, who enter the house. Hmm. Sally's story gained local and national attention when the then-owners, Tony and Deborah Pickman, moved into the home and started noticing strange occurrences, which included attacks on Tony, unexplained voices, and burnt finger marks on mysteriously lit candles. Hmm. Mm, mysteriously She's holding lit. grudges, hmm? Men and only men. Well. So I uh, I once stayed in a, uh, the power was off. We were in. Weren't you in a basement? We were. I told you this. Yeah. yeah in an abandoned uh, or uh, a battered women's shelter that had been then. I don't think I knew it was a battered women's shelter. Yeah. So then um, sold relatively cheap. Um friend of ours parents owned it they lived in during college but like we stayed in there no power whatever (laughs) obviously slightly intoxicated i was like oh man it's gonna get wild (laughs) it's gonna be lit and uh, what the kids are saying these days and um nothing happened my brother looks at me the entire time he's just like i fucking hate you Because it's like my idea. They're like, well, we could get a ride back. Or I'm like, oh, we're staying in the house. Oh, we're staying. Brother's like, fuck you. So. Yeah, I hate you. Yeah. But nothing. So uh, maybe we'll. I, I feel like Sally's house could be an Airbnb. I think we talked I about this a little like bit earlier. It would be pretty cool. Just like if, if you had a haunted Airbnb, like just like in, the, in the notes, you'd be like, all right, well. It would sell people on If you're a man, you're getting your ass kicked. But otherwise, like a nice place she to stay. She might play toys with you. All Mid- the toys in mid- the Mid 1800s, five stars would stay again. Five stars would stay again. Would haunt again. So, <laughs> uh, aside from Sally attacking males who enter the home, the following paranormal phenomenon has also been observed at the Sally House. Uh, sounds of animals, children, and adults have been captured on EVP. Unexplained thumps, knocks, and thuds, and the sound of non-existent furniture being moved. Lights turning on and off on their own. Bricks flying at people's heads when they ventured into the basement. Ouch. So if you do Aaron B. Sally's house, please do not go into the the basement. Yeah, just stay out of the basement. And if you do, please wear a football helmet or some kind of helmet. (laughs) Full front mask helmet. Yes. Uh, Dogs barking at unseen objects. Areas in the rooms that are strangely cold, fires erupting out of nowhere, 
hopefully in the fireplace in the fireplace yeah i would hope so uh picture uh picture frames being turned upside down extreme smells quote unquote like burning sulfur objects moving and levitating weirdly shaped and colored orbs that appear in photos taken at the house so if i know anything uh like i said one random ghost hunter thing from college they showed up like the orbs mm-hmm. supposedly if you turn off the autofocus or something okay then they'll show up in orbs and then in those orbs you should hypothetically see some kind of a face oh, right that's isn't creepy. that how that works i don't know that's creepy oh I also then it. I also then left this uh, said thing in college because we had to go out drinking for my friend's birthday. <laughs> so like I I like You're like this is great. Okay, I bye. cliff noted the first you know I was there for the first two thirds and the last one third I was kind of filled in. But they out they mentioned like if you walk into these certain places that are supposedly haunted, uh, take your Take a picture, I believe, flash on. Mm-hmm. People will be like, oh, it's a dust or whatever. But then if you look at those or, like, zoom in on those undigital images, then usually it'll have, like, some kind of a face or something in it. That's creepy. Yeah. So that's probably the um, <clears throat> weirdly shaped and colored orbs. Hmm. I'll have to take pictures in the with, with or without a face. Okay. Um, also, stuffed animals, specifically teddy bears, Rearranging themselves. Well, that's just a teddy bear tea upsta- party. In an upstairs bedroom. That's just teddy bears having a tea party. That is. Yeah. Nothing weird about that. Just a, just a night in the upstairs bedroom. That's right. Yep. Uh, Tony and Deborah moved into the house just after they were married, and Deborah was pregnant with their son, Taylor. On October 31st, 1993, Tony came home from work and went... Uh, to the kitchen to get himself a glass of milk when he was shocked to see a little girl staring at him. And she seemed to be startled at the sight of him as well. He dropped the glass and it shattered all over the floor. And he ran upstairs to tell Deborah that he only recalled later that the girl was wearing a white dress that looked like it was from the 1800s. Not creepy at all. According to Deborah, Tony, uh, Tony out of breath ran into the room and said, I saw her. 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 I swear to Jesus, I saw her. And when she asked who he saw, he said it was Sally. Did she, she looked... have a name tag on? Uh-huh. thought so. Sally. <laughs> hey, been, my must... name is Sally. It must have been Sally, Deborah, said Tony. It had to be her, stupid. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, she looked just as real as you and I, innocent looking and sweet. So who's saying that Deborah is innocent looking and sweet? That had to be a Tony comment. I think you were saying Sally looked innocent. I know. Sweet. Like you and I. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't describe me or describe me as innocent and sweet. I mean Haggard um... and wrinkly. <laughs> Rough. No. <laughs> Gruff. Gruff like your coffee voice. Like a smoker who hasn't smoked in years. Or ever. Or ever. You, you smack, or uh, you smack, you smack, you smoke like 10 cigarettes total in your life and you talk like this. Jesus. 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 Y'all, y'all that ain't right. 
Y'all get good, Jesus. Get right. Yeah. So back to the innocent and sweet. All right. Uh, she looked, or she also had a surprised look on her face, as if she, uh, she was just as curious. She wasn't scary looking at all. So she didn't look like the girl from The Ring. Just the hair over her or face. Or the grudge. Or the grudge. the grudge. That's the grudge. She's holding a grudge. The grudge is uh, where she comes out of, or which one? No, The, the Ring is where she comes out of the will. Yeah, because of the face. drowned horses. Yeah, and the grudge is yeah. the other one. The Japanese uh, one. Or, yeah. Stop. Uh, which okay. one's that? That one's the grudge, I believe. But The Ring's the movie. You yeah. put it in, you see The Ring. But that whole thing came Grand because of the horse. That was because of the horses drowning, right? I don't know if the horses were drowning, but they're in the video. There's something with the horses. Something with horses. I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have nightmares now. Great. I'm telling you. Oh, I wish I had my hair thought. still. <laughs> I can put it over my face. Oh. Fucking spring cleaning, I'm telling you. I miss it. You know? There you go. <clears throat> Over the next two years, camera crews were able to catch on camera. Tony suddenly, suddenly, suddenly being covered in bloody scratches and burn marks. Jeez. And a few times he had been knocked backwards and seemingly pinned to the floor by an invisible force. Deborah and Tony attempted to appease Sally and would buy her gifts like dolls, but the gift offerings didn't stop the attacks on Tony. Tony usually wouldn't acknowledge Sally, and one time when Deborah left the room, Tony was laying on the couch, and Sally bit him on the back of his thigh. Ow. The bite didn't break the skin, but it did leave teeth marks that were similar uh, to a small child's. Deborah doesn't remember why they didn't take pictures of the bite marks, and she mentioned that their son uh, Taylor was only a few months old and had no teeth, so obviously it wasn't him. And location of the uh, the marks would mean that Tony would have had to uh, be a contortionist to have been able to bite himself. Ooh. So, so Tony's a contortionist. If he it. was a contortionist, then good for Deborah. Good for Deborah. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Lucky. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> After two years of torture from Sally, the Pickmans had had enough. And they moved out. They didn't return, or they did return about a decade later with a psychic investigator. And the first couple of visits, visits went off without any incidents. False sense of security, I'm guessing. Yep. But that had just lulled them into a fen- uh, false sense of security. <laughs> because after those first few safe visits, the attacks on Tony started up again. A few minutes. Into one of the visits, Tony was lifted and thrown backwards into the door, and he wasn't able to get up because a force was holding him down. And only after the words, in the name of God, were spoken, that he was able to get back up. So I have to remember that. So if I'm I'm ever getting held down again. In the name of of God. God. Not just, hey, touch me, touch me. In the name of God. There you go. You gotta say it just like that. But you'd be saying it like this. In the name of God. Because your chest is you're getting compressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he fled the house and its grip. Uh, they left the house so quickly that they didn't notice the damage of the door that Tony's body had left. And they made sure to call the owners and let them know what had happened. 
Well, that was nice of him. Multiple former residents have alleged uh, have alleged paranormal activity at the house, and it's been especially reported by male occupants and visitors, which has led to Sally being dubbed, quote-unquote, the man-hating ghost. <laughs> the house has been uh, called out not only, to, or has not, or has been called not only the most haunted house in Kansas, but in the entire country. However, it doesn't claim, or however, it doesn't say who claims this or who makes the judgments on the most haunted place. Yeah, but the residents ask. absolutely seem to think it is. Hmm. I feel like a lot of people could be like, this is the most haunted house. and This is the most haunted chair Kansas. in my basement. Mm-hmm. These are the most haunted slippers. That you've ever That seen. I'm wearing. <laughs> this is the most haunted blanket. Uh, Deborah Pickman says there are several other spirits that inhabit the house besides Sally. The spirits of Agnes Finney, who was a daughter of the... One second. Couple who owned the house longer than anyone else. Brandon, who she describes as easily irritated... Dominant adult male with a good sense of humor who likes to prank the adults to make the kids laugh. <laughs> uh, there is Charles Finney, an older male with an with an effeminate voice effect who who had uh, who had competed as an ice skater while dressed as a female. <laughs> hmm. That threw me off a little bit. That's where the pause was like, wait, am I reading this correctly? <laughs> <clears throat> He was dragged before it was cool. Exactly. Edith, who is a senile older woman who who everyone seems to love. Frank Jr., a man who had lived in Kansas City a year after Sally died. When his mom botched a suicide attempt, they killed him, and she ultimately survived. Jesus. Wow. Hmm. Sorry, Frank Jr. That sucks. Uh, Joanna Barnes, a quote-unquote dominant female who had lived in the Sally house until 1906, and whose voice has been recorded on EVP. Uh, EVP is the box, right? Like mm-hmm. the uh, the voice that rec- or the box yeah. that records you. Yeah. Um, Paul, you who was get them on your phone now too. Really? Mm-hmm. I feel like I wouldn't trust an app as much. I wouldn't either. Because like I no. feel like they're probably just gonna fill it in to make you sell the app more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul, who was a young enslaved boy who had been lynched. It's unclear his relationship to the Sally House. Since slavery was abolished well before the house had been built. Uh, Ryan is a relative of the Sallys who speaks uh, with a slight accent. Tom Byrnes, a Civil War uh, soldier who sometimes appears in the house in his uniform. Hmm. Just about every type of paranormal investigator has been out to visit the Sally house to try to figure out what is happening. According to Deborah Pickman, uh, the psychic psychic consensus consensus is that uh, it has been said that a negative entity within the house seems to reside in a hole in the back of the basement and it's older and is older than even the house and that it is attached to the land itself. It is surmised that uh, it fears certain strong living energies and attacks them or it draws them closer to use the available energy for itself. Hmm. A psychic once said during the more recent investigations that the experiment in the basement with the tuning forks was bringing up more human spirits from the ground beneath them 
and that this dark and negative force was significantly angered by its actions. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Don't bring up all those human spirits. So should we get a tuning fork down here and just... No, let's just not. I'm good with not doing that. So I feel like this house probably has a hole in it somewhere. A dark negative hole. Dun, dun, dun. I think you're right. So that is Sally's house. So if you ever find yourself in Kansas. Atchison, Kansas, right? Atchison, Kansas. Feel free, I believe, on 2nd Street to Mm -hmm. go and... Visit Sally. Probably just not knock on the door, but try to set something up. Yeah, probably in advance an and <laughs> check it out. So, like I said, I, still live there. I feel like <clears throat> some kind of a ghost or ghoul Airbnb is just you know months away. I'm sure they already have them. But how do you sell that? I don't know. You say we have a ghost. Uh, a total spiritual. You can experience. say at Lizzie Borden's house. Spiritual experience. <laughs> Spiritual and haunted are Welcome to Sally's house. Females, welcome. If you're a male, you'll probably get choked out. But if you're into that, cool. Sally will probably try to beat the living shit out of you. You like getting bit? Right, right in your backside? Stay at Sally's house. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. No problem. Uh, Wild. I also think it's nuts that, like... They had asked the new owner to be like, hey, can we just revisit this for a second? And yeah. then he just gets thrown into this door and they leave. And he's like, so about your door. So here's the thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sally doesn't like me. Appears to still not like me. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> She's what are like, you? like, I remember you, motherfucker. <laughs> no shit. I thought you left years and years, years ago. ago. So what, uh,. I have a haunted house for you, too. Hey-o. Don't worry. Is it Sally's house? It's not Sally's house. Is it Jim's? No. Mm. I'll I'll just read it to you. All right. So my haunted house is called the House of Death. Mm. Is it in Kansas? No. It's in New York City, actually. It's actually located on one of the most pic- picturesque blocks in all of New York City. Hmm. And it stands with a very dark history. When a building is nicknamed the House of Death, you know there is bound to be some dark things that happened within its doors. The outside of the building is just as beautiful as any of the other revivalist Greek brownstones it's surrounded by. It was built in 1856 on West 10th Street in Greenwich Village, or Greenwich Village, sorry and at one time or another housed many of the city's brightest and most beautiful, Hmm. including the wife of the founder of the Underground Railroad, Mr. James Borman Johnston. Johnston was also the founder of a reading room, library, and he famed 10th Street Studio, which was a collective of studios, galleries, and annual funding for resident artists. It It was unique in New York at the time, Say that a hundred times fast. Unique in New York. Unique, unique in New York. After he had passed, Johnston's widow moved their daughters into the house of death in the 1880s. The house gradually earned its reputation after the Borman family stopped living there. In 1897, the first recorded incident of bad luck happened. The cyclist Fred H. Andrew had a moment of, quote, reckless bicycle riding. Hmm. That caused him to crash into a boy around eight years old. The boy suffered a broken leg and Andrew was then arrested. 
I tried to find out what happened after that, but I couldn't find anything. Nothing. Legend states that the house witnessed 22 deaths, which isn't unusual for a century and a half old house, but some of those 22 spirits never left. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) The house's most famous resident was Mark Twain, the mustachioed legend of American literature. He lived in the house at the tail end of his career, which was at the height of his celebrity. Twain's real name was Samuel Clemens, and he resided at the house from 1900 to 1901. And it was just over a little 12, over like 12 months that he stayed there. Hmm. It was only three years after Andrew's bad luck started. Twain was battling bankruptcy and working hurriedly on some of his now more classic works, all while fighting his depression. Twain was a noted skeptic of the paranormal, but he did write about a clear paranormal experience that he had had in this home. It was evening, and he witnessed a large piece of kindling move all on its own. Thinking that a rat was moving the wood, maybe, he mused, that the rat had some use for it. A new piece of furniture, perhaps? He shot it with his gun, as you do, obviously, and the wood fell to the ground and was surrounded by a few drops of blood. Even then, the rat population outnumbered the humans in New York City, but the house itself wasn't known to be infested with rodents. Twain didn't have many fond memories of the house, but he can still be seen wandering the stairwell. Subsequent residents have seen him trudging up and down the stairs, which are considered to be the most haunted area of the house. So he's, his ghost is supposedly still his there? His ghost is supposedly still there. So they just touched on this, but he said he shot a rat. He assumed it was a rat. And there was blood. And there was blood. But he never found a rat. No. Yeah. So hmm. there's that. He also said he was depressed during that time. Yes. So maybe he just shot a person. Maybe. But it was just a piece of wood that was floating across the floor. Didn't see how big a piece of wood. Or maybe he just imagined it. I don't know. But he's very skeptical of the paranormal. But he's still there. A mouse made sense. So that's actually kind of interesting, too. Like, what if if the only people that are ghosts are the people that are like. Paranormal skeptics? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic? Like, that speak out against it. He's like, no way. And no he's like, way. And now I'm just living in this house. <laughs> yep. That'd be so unfair. You seen Big Mouth? Yeah. Duke Ellington? The ghost of Duke Ellington living I up. I haven't seen the, that one, though. Oh, he's live, like, living up uh, in the attic? How okay. Far, how yeah. far are you into that? Yeah. Okay. I'm not in any of the new ones, but like. Oh. I just picture like Mark Twain's ghost just like living in the attic. Yeah, dude, should have believed in ghosts. Oh, now I'm damn here. Damn it! Uh-huh. Now look what happened. Oh, humble pie. <laughs> he is also believed to be responsible for the disembodied marching sounds heard throughout the vacated portions of the house. So he's just marching around all over the place. By 1937, the house had been transformed from a one-family home to a co-op building made up of ten spacious condominium apartments. One evening, shortly after the transformation, a mother and daughter ran into Twain's ghost. He was perched on the window seat. He approached the pair and stated, quote, My name is Clemens, and I has a problem here. I gotta settle, end quote. And then, moments later, he just disappeared. The problem he needed to settle was never known. Most likely it was of a financial nature. 
It is still a mystery why Twain haunts the house since he didn't die in it. He died in Danbury, Connecticut. So I don't know why he's there. Because he doesn't believe in the afterlife. Maybe because he felt guilty uh, about the rat. (laughs) Next, Jan Bell Bryant and her daughter moved into the house. They took the apartment on the top floor, which used to be the servants' quarters. Jan was a famous actress, psychic, and writer. Almost immediately, Bartell reported that a monstrous moving shadow would follow her around. The strange occurrences started out small and harmless, sounds of footsteps following her up the stairs, the feeling of someone brushing against the back of her neck even if her hair was up, and a strange rotting smell that would come and go. Yeah, gross. One of her encounters, she writes, she saw a ghostly figure of a man standing in a hall. She reached out to touch the apparition, and she felt something, but also nothing, like she had ever felt before. And she described it as, quote, a substance without substance, chilly, damp, diaphanous as marsh mist or a cloud of ether. I could feel my fingers freeze at the tips. They were numb, and yet they tingled. In the split second between contact and recoil, the scent came. Fragile and languorous, the sweet, unbearable, cloying sweet, end quote. I feel like sight... And hearing, or even, yeah, seeing, hearing, or feeling a ghost is one thing. Mm-hmm. Touching but one? smell. Oh, smell, yeah. Oh. Yeah, no I thank like you. smell. Like, ooh. I was going to say something about, you know, smells in the house sometimes when I walk by, but I have teenage boys, so yeah. there's that. But you just imagine that, just like... Oh, ah, smells like rotting death. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's... <laughs> Thanks for that, Mark Twain. Clemens back. <laughs> <laughs> Clemens is back. Yeah. So this would not be the only unusual, odd, and bitter scent the Bartell family would report during their time at the death house. Food that they had not purchased was already rotting would appear on the table. Their animals would also become aggressive for no apparent reason, as if they'd been disturbed by invisible entities in the building. Eventually, things got darker. Shadows would appear that no light could touch. Their dog would snarl and growl at at a mysterious chair, as if it contained an invisible person. Once, a phantom grape showed up in the center of a clean dinner plate, even though the family hadn't bought grapes in months. Weird. Their furniture would be moved from their usual places, and the sound of crashing glass would echo around the building. But what they said was the most unsettling was the odors that would suddenly appear for no reason. I'm telling you, smell. It blows my mind. One fragrant like an ancient perfume, and the other was a, quote, rotting miasma that was extremely offensive. Bartell and her husband decided to fight back. Jan herself was a true believer, and they hired a paranormal expert and a medium to see if they could help. When the medium walked in, she immediately felt a presence. Something was dead under the floorboards. Make that three things. A young girl with curly hair and blue eyes, an aborted child, and a small gray cat. All of a sudden, the medium went into a trance and was possessed by the spirit of Renee Mallison, a 19-year-old woman who said she was born in 1848. She spoke about how she blamed President Lincoln for her husband's death because he sent him to the Civil War and she wailed over her aborted child. Hmm. 
The paranormal expert had heard enough. He commanded the spirits to leave this residence immediately since the Bartels were the rightful occupants. He said, Go and leave these people in peace. But the medium's voice shot back as if it were an explosion and said, Never. I will never leave here. They will have to go. This is my home. I will never leave. After that interaction, the Bartels did not feel safe in the house and moved out shortly after. Yeah. But Jan Bartell could never shake the feeling that the house had poisoned her. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. A man named Dennis, he didn't want to give his last name since he was embarrassed to be sharing ghost stories. Don't be embarrassed, Dennis. Embrace it. He was a musician and a photography buff. He li- He's lived on the third floor in number 16 for more than 20 years and said that he has even seen little clips and visions of women in long gowns going from room to room and the lights will randomly flicker so does he think he's seeing the ghost from next door at number 14 he says walls don't stop them from doing anything he remembers one night several years ago when he was photographing a dancer in his living room sounds sketch to me but okay wait photographing yeah quote unquote photographing Mm mm-hmm just kidding he's probably fine i'll probably photograph a dancer tomorrow night (laughs) he had to leave her for a minute and when he left a woman in a long flowing gown appeared and was followed by a cat the dancer grabbed her belongings and ran out dennis says she wasn't the first female visitor who had fled from his apartment after being spooked i'm sure she wasn't so um maybe this ghost was just jealous maybe Get away from my man. That's my man's. He says, I have girls that would never come back. Not going to say anything. Yeah. The best and most detailed account of life in the possessed building comes from Jan Bartell's memoir. It's called Spindrift Spray from a Psychic Sea, which she wrote in 1974, just before she died. Dennis says he believes the accounts from Spindrift. He got his first copy from a girl he met while browsing the Strand for occult books. He says he has owned the book about ten times because for some reason they keep disappearing. Hmm. Fifteen years after Bartell died, a much more sinister real-life tragedy happened at the house next door. A well-known lawyer named Joel Steinberg and his girlfriend, Hedda Nussbaum, an editor of children's books at Random House, moved in. They appeared to be the epitome of the professional couple, and they were well-liked on 10th Street. They told friends and their neighbors that they had adopted two young children, six-year-old Lisa and 18-month-old Mitchell. But quickly, their middle-class facade was destroyed in November of 1987, and it revealed a drug-fueled den of horror and abuse. After they freebased some cocaine, Steinberg (laughs) had beat Lisa leaving her battered and on the floor of the bathroom. He left to meet with friends and left Hedda, who was too afraid of Steinberg's wrath to help Lisa in the next room. Later that night, Steinberg returned to the house, and he and Hedda kept freebasing cocaine until about 4 a.m., all while little Lisa was still unconscious in the bathroom. Finally, at 6.30, they called the police. When the police did arrive, they found the second-floor apartment in complete disarray. Hedda, all bruised and battered with a split lip, answered the door. While police were searching the apartment, Hedda wandered around and hid behind doors as paramedics attended to Lisa. 
Baby Mitchell was soaked in his own urine, covered in dirt, and was tied to his playpen with a rope around his waist. Lisa fought hard, but she was declared brain dead and died three days later in the hospital. Steinberg had been reported by neighbors before because they suspected he had been abusing Hedda and Lisa. Dennis, who lived next door, can remember seeing Steinberg carrying Lisa on his shoulders once in a tender moment. Steinberg was convicted of first-degree manslaughter, and he served 16 years in prison. The investigation also revealed that Steinberg never actually adopted the two children. Steinberg was released from prison in 2004. Since the horrific crime committed by Steinberg, 10th Street has been pretty quiet. Dennis says of the ghosts, they have been pretty quiet lately. The ghosts of the author of Ghosts of Manhattan, Philip Ernest Schoenberg, runs the Ghosts of New York City tours and says the houses are hardly the most haunted in the city, since that distinction belongs to the Merchant's House Museum. He also says the block itself may be more imbued with the spectral history than people think. Emma Lazarus's spirit has been spotted lurking around her old house at number 18. She wrote The New Colossus, which is the poem on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. Wow. Also, mystery writer Dashiell Hammett and her partner Lily Hillman, who wrote the play Little Foxes, along with many others, also lived on the notorious block. Edgar Allan Poe's last known residence in New York was number 17 10th Street, where a woman had rejected his marriage proposal. Poor guy. Schoenberg says his heart was broken there, but maybe the ghosts are just being patient. Maybe they will become active again when the right family moves in. Jason Weingarten used to walk dogs for the tenants in number 14 and says the inside of the house seems very old, but that doesn't it doesn't seem haunted. But he also notes that Emily Post lived next door, so maybe the ghosts just have proper etiquette. Hmm. He could be right. Not wow. <laughs> but that was the death house. Well, thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. Sorry for that last part, though. Not so. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Champagne and Murder, please. We so, really do appreciate so you. So much. <laughs> if you would like to get into contact with us, you can find us on our socials at Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you would like to send us a story that you'd like read on the podcast, you can send it to champagneandmurderplease at gmail.com. And what else, Mark? What am I missing? Oh, if, if you uh, like what you hear, <clears throat> feel free to, you know, send leave us some reviews, review. leave some reviews, maybe add some stars, uh, four, to, four to seven. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we really appreciate everyone uh, tuning in, and we hope to have a great weekend life <laughs> and weekend, weekend life, evening, morning, all the things, afternoon. And we hope that you remember to stay safe and, and don't, don't take, take candy, candy from, from strangers. strangers. Goodbye. To Lou.